What a blessing. So grateful for who our Lord is tonight. And thankful that we can put our faith in Him, our confidence in Him, and that we don't have to wonder or doubt because He is always the same, our immutable God. Well, tonight, uh, I thank you, Caitlin, as well. You're going to be heading back to college, right? Uh, when, does, when do you have to leave? 19th of this month. I know Faith is going to be starting college here at C of O pretty soon, and our students are going back to Heartland, and so we've got students uh, already. Sister Eliza Elliott went back to Master's College there in Fargo, and so had a terrible ordeal with the flights, but you know, tis the season. Uh, and so we're thankful for all of our students the Lord gives us, and just be praying for them as they have to go their different ways, and uh, back to their uh, schools that the Lord's called them to. So Mark chapter 13 is where we were this morning, and we're going to continue part two of this message. And uh, as we have looked at uh, and asked this question, is this the year? Now, we're not talking about, is this the year I'm going to finally pay off my house, or is this the year I'm going to uh, be able to uh, go on that big bank vacation or go to Hawaii, although those things would be nice. Really, is this the year that we see the Lord rapture the church? That's my question. Is this what, what we're going to be, uh, what we're expecting? This is the next big thing on our uh, radar here is the rapture of the church. And so the question is, is this the year? Now, obviously, where, we, where we're going to be at in the scriptures in Mark chapter 13, he says, no man can know. And, and we're not saying that we can know. We're not even pretending that we, it's going to be this year. But we want to see some things because he does tell us to take heed, to watch, to pay attention because we're going to see these things increase more and more as the time of Christ draws near. And so Mark chapter 13, uh, verse number 32, if you get there, say hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. I could say like Brother Cecil down in uh, Branson, he says, say Honolulu. And then when they do, they says, I want to go there. Amen. Any place warmer than here, it'd be great. Thank you, Josiah. It's my boy right there. Verse 32, let's look at this scripture together. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son but the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray. For you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Let's stop and pray. Father, thank you once again for this wonderful reminder. Uh, at the beginning of this year, uh, Lord, oftentimes uh, we have watch night parties, but tonight, today, we've chosen to be reminded of the need to watch. Watch for the coming of our precious Savior. Lord, my heart is stirred. Uh, Lord, because of the prospect of seeing our precious Lord. And so, God, I pray that you would just draw us close. Lord, may this time be intimate and sweet with you or as we uh, commune around your word. And thank you, Lord, for this blessed night you've given us in Christ's name. Amen. Now, Mark uh, chapter 13, we went over this this morning quite a bit, but I want to just remind you of verse 33 here. It says, take heed. He says, watch and pray. I remember as a kid, oftentimes, I, my dad would go to work, and he would be gone early in the morning, many times before the crack of dawn, and, and he would be home every night about 5, 5.30 in the evening. And he told me, he'd leave, give, leave me a list of things I had to do before he returned. And, and that, uh, that list, most of the time, I didn't get them done. And guess what happened when I didn't get them done? Yeah, you guessed it. All right. You know, and, and it's like I never learned my lesson, but this is what I learned is to watch for dad's coming. 
I, I looked down the road. I was paying attention because I knew if dad was coming and I didn't have my stuff done, I better get busy in a hurry. Well, the Lord is telling us, take heed, watch, and pray, for you know not when the time is. And as Jesus Christ lays this out for us, it's a reminder that as we look around us today in our society and we look around us in, in the world, that we are seeing events that remind us of the things that we see here in Mark chapter 13. Now, Mark chapter 13 deals primarily with the rapture and the second coming of Christ uh, and those events of the tribulation. And so some of the events that we see around us are not the events of the tribulation because that's yet future. I remind you of what we talked about this morning a little bit in the time frame. I think there's a uh, chart here, Brother Brian, if you could throw that up there for me. And so appreciate uh, Brother Pentecost. Man, uh, Travis and Rebecca are here with us. They leave out tomorrow. Y'all pray that, uh, that they are here. He said, don't tell anybody I did that. Uh, but he gave this to me this afternoon. He said, it's a little better than the one you had. And so I said, I thank you, sir. Uh, mostly because it wasn't stolen, right? Uh, amen. In education, you know, you can do those things. So here we have a reminder of some of the events that are going to happen. We're living in the church age. Our next expectation is that of the rapture where the Lord will call the church uh, and we will meet the Lord in the air. Uh, what a wonderful thing that will be. The dead in Christ shall rise and we all that remain shall meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Glorious, glorious thing. And so we'll be able to spend that time uh, with the Lord. And so uh, in heaven we'll experience the beaming seat of Christ, marriage supper of the Lamb, but here on earth, the earth will experience some great challenges. First thing that we're going to see is the Antichrist will uh, establish a peace covenant with Israel and with the nations around it. And so there will be a seven-year covenant of peace that is brokered. And this Antichrist will uh, really be identified as, as this man that uh, begins this process. And this will kick off a seven-year period this last week in Daniel's prophecy in his 70-week prophecy there. And so as that timeline kicks off, we see the first three and a half years, things seem to go fairly well. There is some tribulation the Lord pours out on the earth. The last half is, fairly, is very, very, very bad. Uh, it is a time what we call the Great Tribulation, where God's judgments increase in intensity and veracity. And, and it is definitely not a time that we want to be here during that time. We talked about some of that uh, this morning. Following that seven-year period, Jesus Christ will come, the second coming of Christ, and his feet will hit the Mount of Olives, and we'll see God uh, bring an end to the Antichrist rule and those that desire uh, uh, that march and those armies that march against him. And then he will establish a 1,000-year reign on earth. Uh, at the end of that reign, the Bible talks about the judgment. This is the great white throne of judgment where all those who rejected Jesus Christ will be brought before the judgment seat. This judgment, uh, this great white throne of judgment, and they will be cast into the lake of fire. And then we see Revelation 21 established where the new heaven and new earth. Now, all of that is kind of a preface to remind us of the things that God has laid out in prophecy. Just a big bird's eye picture of all that's going to happen here. But as we look at Mark chapter 32, we're reminded that we don't know when exactly these things will kick off. We're in a, in a period of time that God has not said that this is going to be 2,000 years, or God's not said this is going to be 3,000 years. We don't know the exact amount of time. What we do know is that the early Christians were looking for Christ's rapture, for the rapture of the church. Uh, even uh, this year, we're looking for the rapture of the church. Every uh, day, the Bible tells us to take heed, to watch to pray. He says to pay attention to those things. And so we want to be watchful of the times in which we live today. And in this day and age, information though is being sent to us at such a rapid pace that I don't know about you, but it's hard to remember from day to day everything that I'm, that I'm reading. 
And I read the news every day. I, I get it in my daily email, several news uh, journals, and, and I just read through those and I look at these different things. And it's easy for those things to get buried in the, the mix of everything of all that's transpired. And so this morning we looked at the, some of the biblical events that are yet to come. But today I want to, uh, this evening, I just want to take a little bit of time and look at some current events. Some of these are going to be more local. Some of these are going to be more international as we look at some of these events together. But we'll see over the last 12 to 24 months that there is, in my mind, a just uh, as I look, just an, an increase and the amount of things that we see happening that remind us of these prophecies that are in the Word of God. And so as we look at this evidence, I urge you not to grow in despair, but instead I urge you to take joy because this world is not falling apart. Amen? God is falling, everything's falling into place. And so we're, we're grateful for that, that God is at work. He's still sovereign. He still sits on the throne. He's still in charge. We don't have to worry. Did God fall asleep? No, he's, He never sleeps. And so we can be thankful that the Lord is still there. So we want to look a little bit at the current evidence. And so just a few things from the previous year to 24 months that we want to look at together. Now, the last year has been record-setting in many ways. And some of those ways have been kind of tragic, uh, as, uh, as we've seen. But some of those things uh, have been reminded that the Lord is trying to get the, uh, the world's attention. And so we're going to see some of these harbingers of the Lord's return. And so the very first thing I want to start with, because it's near and dear to my heart, is the decline of America today. Uh, before August 2021, we woke up every day with this idea in believing in America and her greatness. I, I remember uh, never doubting that America is the superpower. America is the world power economically, militarily. It's never, it was never questioned. All of us pretty much in this room have probably woken up with that same thought and that same mentality. Uh, America is the greatest nation in the world. Amen. Many of you have given your life, we have loved ones that have laid down their life to preserve the great things that we enjoy in this nation. And, and I tell you, as we saw some of the things unraveled this year, it was, it was very disheartening as a person who loves, a, loves this country. And so uh, not one of us would have imagined that the status of America be to, could be toppled so quickly, but it is a reality that God is in control of all of these things. America is just temporary, and my citizenship is really not here, but it's in heaven. Amen? And so as a Christian, I'm burdened for my country because I love America, but I realize that that's not really where my citizenship belongs. My citizenship is in heaven, and that's a far greater place, something that's eternal that will never be toppled by Satan or any of his whole cohorts. So as we watch these things unfold in August in Afghanistan, I couldn't help but kind of see a sign of the weakened state of our country. August 15th, when America fled the country of Afghanistan, it seemed to indicate that there was a large chink in the armor plating of our nation. America, let me, let me just say this, America needs to be weak for two reasons. One, you cannot have a global government if you have strong, sovereign nations. So there must be weakened governments. There must be weakened uh, nations around the world. Secondly, Israel, we see, stands alone in prophecy. Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 2 says, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. We see that all nations are against Jerusalem. These, these are, uh, in this prophetic uh, moment in Christ's second coming, we see that Israel is standing alone. And so when we left Afghanistan, we left $85 billion worth of high-tech military equipment on the ground 
And I, I don't, can't help but wonder if some of this will not be used in, uh, in, in some of these military uh, uh, actions that will be taken against Israel in the future. And so this equipment uh, has, is sitting there in the hands of terrorists and evil men. So what is happening in this world around us? Let me just share with you, this world is preparing for a global government. Uh, this is part of what we see come out of uh, Revelation, and I'm not, and I'm not trying to get uh, tonight uh, into the realm of uh, the uh, weird tonight. I just want to lay out some things as we see them in, uh, going on. But there's organizations that are working in the background to uh, destroy nations like America for a purpose so that they can make a one-world government. They want to remake uh, this world as we know it. So many Americans will ask this question, where is America in Bible prophecy? The fact that America has been the greatest economic, political, and military country might that this world has ever seen begs to wonder if this country is so great, how come we don't see it mentioned as a key player in end times prophecy. I, as a matter of fact, many, uh, many great uh, men like uh, Dwight Pentecost and others, uh, they will, will tell you and share with you that there is, uh, America is not mentioned in prophecy. Some people believe America is mentioned in Revelation 17 and 18, as it uh, refers there to Babylon. But I believe, uh, and they talk about the Wall Street being a spiritual Babylon, but I believe Babylon is a literal city in Iraq that will be rebuilt. As a matter of fact, it's right there in the middle of two-thirds of the world's oil. Is the location that Daniel received uh, the, uh, the prophecy of his 70 weeks. And so I believe that this is going to be a literal city that's rebuilt where the Antichrist desires to set up his rule and reign there. And frankly, I don't see America mentioned as the Babylon or any of these key players during the end time. So if America is not mentioned as part of these end time prophecies, then there must be something that happens to America. Now, there's a lot of plausible scenarios we could go down uh, with a growing national debt, and I checked it today. I, my, my wife was sitting there. And I said, I want to just see where our debt is. Anybody else concerned about our national debt? Uh, it's like one of those things we don't want to talk about. Today, it was $29 trillion, $490 billion. I have no idea how many zeros that is. It's way more than I can put together, I can tell you that. And as of this afternoon, let me just tell you, we're in trouble. These are enemies of America that are, uh, that are uh, desiring to topple the nation. But there's also enemies of America that are armed with nuclear devices. So it would be easy to see America collapse from financial problems. It would be easy to see America collapse from even a, a nuclear uh, war. There's corruption. There's moral decay in the country itself. There's this, uh, this social collapse of this nation at an unprecedented rate and speed. It, it is amazing to watch us self-destruct as a nation as uh, we're worried more about uh, LGBT issues than we are about the national debt in our in in our media today. Let me tell you, uh, we are uh, on a uh, just a free fall right now, and I'm very greatly concerned. Any one of these things is enough really to topple the nation, but combine them, and it's easy to see without a spiritual awakening, our, our country is in trouble. It's in peril. But if we were to coincide these events with, let's say, the rapture, it would bring this nation to a blinding halt. 
Think about this. The rapture is when all the believers of the world are, are uh, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. We are instantly removed from this place. That means that, uh, that uh, if you're a believer tonight, then you will, be, uh, you will leave here. Your influence in this world will be, uh, will be over, uh, and so the evil will have a full, full reign in this world. Listen, there are over, uh, there are about 10% of all of Americans are truly born again. There are people who believe in salvation through faith alone, through Christ alone. And so if that number is accurate, according to Mr. Barna, then that's 30 million people in America alone that are gone. They're disappeared. That's half of Germany, if you will, that are just absolutely gone. Uh, that is many of our nations, the size of many of our, excuse me, major cities in our uh, nation that are removed instantly. Would, it, would, uh, it would pave the way for the final decline for America. The second thing we see is there is a fear-based world. There's, a, there's an increase in the amount of fear, and I don't think there's a slide for that, Brian. I'm sorry about that. But there is an increase in the amount of fear that is being funneled toward us. And in the last two years, since March of 2020, we have willingly given up freedom because of fear. Now, let me tell you, folks, God does not give us a spirit of fear. I don't know if we realize this, but I don't have to be afraid of COVID. Uh, you know, I, I want to be smart, I want to be wise, but I should never be fearful because God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. This year, we saw Australia unleash the military on its citizens to keep them in lockdown. It was a fear-based society. Uh, this year, we saw uh, other things uh, that, that also transpired. Well, actually, 2020 in Tampa, Florida, in March of uh, 2020, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown was arrested just for having services in America. In 2021, the Canadian pastor Arthur Palowski landed on the tarmac and was arrested immediately in Canada for speaking out a bit against the COVID lockdowns. Over and over and over again, we see this fear that's dominating the headlines. These events are significant because the Antichrist reigns through fear. He uses fear to control and manipulate people to follow his demands. And Satan, remember, he uses fear. And so God's reply is this, 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So church, let me tell you, if you find yourself fearful, that's not from God. You know, and if, if you find yourself afraid of, of what's going on around you, that is not a God-given emotion in that, in that circumstance. God wants us not to be afraid of those things around us, but to fear Him, to love Him, to respect Him, to honor Him. And though our fear should be for Him, not for anything else going around us in this world. And so we thank God that these things in their entirety are not part of the church's future. Amen? Uh, you know, all that we see that's going on is just a, just a kind of a warm-up for what we're going to see happen in the tribulation. And Revelation 3.10 says, Because thou hast kept the word of, of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Listen, he's going to rapture us out of here. I don't have to stay for this tribulation period. But we are seeing a rise of this fear-based mongering here today. The next thing we see is the rise of lawlessness and this rise of the spirits of Antichrist. Man, have you watched the news lately? Wow. Well, I never in my wildest imaginations imagined that we would face the things that we faced since May of 2020. In May of 2020, five miles, get this, five miles of Minneapolis was burned to the ground. 
Did you catch that? I can't even fathom that. Five miles was just burned in a, in a major city, a city that had the ability to stop it, to call in the military and put a cease to this. This year we've seen the smash and grab uh, that's going on in department stores all around the country. And they, they, they go in, they smash the, the cases, they grab whatever they want with little or no consequences. I remind you what Matthew 24, 12 says. It says, because iniquity shall abound. He's talking about in the, in the, uh, in, during the time of, of, of tribulation. He says, the love of many shall wax cold. He said, this iniquity, this, this lawlessness is going to abound. And we see that uh, this will continue to increase over the coming uh, years. And so we're see, seeing some of that even now. The Antichrist is in 2 Thessalonians. It's described there in verse number 9. It says, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all powers and signs and lying wonders. Listen, he's known as the man of lawlessness. Since the spring and summer of 2020, we have seen lawlessness increase, not just here, but in every nation. I can't turn on the national news or listen or read a, a national story without hearing something about lawlessness increasing and increasing more and more fervor. The next thing we see is the rise of the Romans' one mind. You say, what are you talking about? Let me just read in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now, you can read all of that passage, and I would encourage you to, but I think that this verse is, has some of the most scary words in all of the Bible that God gave. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. It is to believe that black is white and up is down and right is wrong. It's a mind that has no understanding uh, of anything that is, that is really true. This kind of wrong thinking has the ability to destroy lives. And, and once the culture declines, God will say uh, uh, here, excuse me, God will say enough. He's going to rescue his bride. His church is going to be raptured out and he's going to take us home to heaven and then he will judge this world for its depravities. If we look at uh, even just this last week as we saw, uh, and, and forgive me, uh, Miss Maxwell, I don't know her first name, I can't, can't pronounce it, Giesling or something like that. Maybe somebody can pronounce it. I, didn't, I, re I read my muse, I, news, I don't actually listen to it. But as I, as I read about this trial that was going on with Miss Mac Maxwell who was involved with Jeffrey Epstein, we see that that they were heavily involved with some of the world leaders in some very depraved situations. Specifically, I, I, I'm not going to say any specifics about that because it's a mixed congregation tonight. But even this year we saw in California, National City, California, Sweetwater High School uh, elected the student body by popular vote, elected a man who was posing as a woman to be homecoming queen. Man, I tell you folks... This is a sad time in which we live. Columbia, Missouri. I didn't read that. Thank you, Brother Leroy. Listen, we're seeing a rise of this delusional thinking. It's the dominant thinking of our Western world, but it's not just here. We're seeing this rise throughout nations all around the world. But we also see the groaning of creation. The world uh, says that the tragedies that we have seen all around us or as a result of Mother Nature. Well, Mother Nature, my foot, is all I can say. Uh, I believe in something higher than Mother Nature. I believe in God. Amen? 
And so, uh, you know, as we look at the Word of God, we see that God is the one that uh, brings to uh, brings all of the different. Excuse me, I'm having an issue with notes there, so I've got notes here. Always have a backup plan, amen? But uh, we're seeing that many people want to worship Mother Nature. They want to worship the creation instead of the Creator. And so we forget that God is the one that orders the weather. Job chapter 37 and verse 6 says, For he, hath, he saith to the snow, Be thou on the earth. Man, isn't it crazy? Uh, people look around and they say, oh, man, uh, Mother Nature, this climate change and this global warming, man. And, and they, they drop the man nowadays and now it's very... <laughs> but I still think of him uh, anyways. But let me, say, let me say, it's not Mother Nature, it's God the Father. There are over 50 Bible verses saying that God is in control of the weather. God is the one who's orchestrating. God is the one who still, still sits on the throne. These calamities that we see just beginning now will be off the chart during the tribulation. But there will be, a, and there's a foretaste of those things even now in the church age. And so I want to encourage you now uh, that as we see these things around us, that though the world refuses to recognize the hand of God and claim that we must worship the Mother Earth, what we really must do is recognize that God is giving us a warning and God is setting up that this there is an end times coming and we must be prepared for those things that, that are yet to come. Romans 1.25 says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. He, he tells us this is what happens when you give someone over to a reprobate mind. They care nothing about God. They refuse Him. They reject Him. And instead they say, well, listen, we're going to make we're going to call it Mother Nature instead of God. This year, I was amazed to hear of snow in two places we don't normally near, hear of. And Brother Weigel informs me that it's not uncommon to get snow in Hawaii. But I was like, I didn't snow in Hawaii? I thought, man, that is crazy. But also Arizona got snow, uh, which I thought was another unusual location. But, there, but just not those, those things. But then we saw tornado outbreaks uh, here in December of all times. One setting a record over 200 miles long. In February of 2020, we remember the extreme cold we experienced in, across much of the U.S. My Texas my relatives experienced over a week without water or power. They suffered in the dark as a result. But in the same year, in June, Oregon, uh, Portland, Oregon, hit 116 degrees. Seattle, Washington was at 108 degrees. The past few years, the western part of our, uh, our, our nation has gone through some extreme droughts. But there's floods in New York City, Central Park. It's, it's been incredible to read some of these things. I, I'm not going to labor on those things. But I just want to point out some of those things. But there's another, the next thing I want to share with you is there, there's a marginalization of Christians and Jews. John chapter 15 and verse 19 says, If, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. This has become the reality of this world. Christians are now terrorists. In the late summer of uh, 2021, the government decided also to establish another society of the hated, and that's the unvaccinated. Listen, it, it's about divide, destroy, conquer. May we choose to demonstrate the love of Christ in this place. Listen, I you're vaccinated, unvaccinated. Let me just say, I've never, I've never been one to say, you've got to be vaccinated or you can't be vaccinated. Let me just say, the love of Christ covers those things. And may we not be people that 
shun others because of something the world tells us we must or must not have. All right, I'm going to move on because uh, I know y'all want to go home tonight. My son said, how long are you preaching? I said, two hours. He says, oh, Dad. <laughs> All right, let me share the next one. It's a cashless society. Now, we see this increasing more and more, and I was trying to find an article that I read just recently, but I couldn't find it uh, about stuff that's coming out of Israel even right now uh, about moving toward this. But the world is moving in increasingly toward a cashless society. As a matter of fact, many of us in this room don't even use cash or checks in anymore. You use your little plastic card. Maybe you scan your forehead. I don't know. I'm joking, joking, come on. But listen, during the tribulation, the Bible talks about the mark of the beast that will be used. And so Scripture teaches that, that the Antichrist is going to rule and is going to unite the, 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 the world globally and economically as well as uh, militarily. And so we see that there's going to be this economic need to, to bring this society together. And so this will embark upon a cashless system. We see this in, pictured in Revelation 13, verses 16 and 17. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads that no man may, might buy or sell save that he had the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. In May of 2020, Israel's prime minister suggested that they microchip everyone in their country, including children, especially children. They said it's for their safety. Fear brings control. Listen, and now, and there was just an article I read just a couple of weeks ago, and like I said, I wish I could remember uh, exactly where I found it, but as I was, I was reading, I realized that they're pushing more and more, and this is the new passport will be microchipped where you can have it implanted in your skin so that you can uh, easily cross across borders because you just scan your hand or whatever. In Amazon, in their centers in uh, California, they have uh, scans where you just place your hand on a, uh, on a machine and it allows you to pay as you go out the door. Listen, folks, this is not... Uh, Star Trek anymore. We're, we're dealing with 2021. This is the, the I believe this is uh, going to be the technology that the Antichrist can use to be able to fulfill the prophecy that was laid out in Revelation. Listen, these things are just, just pictures. They're harbingers of things to come. Jesus Christ said in Mark chapter 13 and verse number uh, 37, He tells us to watch but he also reminds us, he says, listen, this is the beginning. In verse number 8, excuse me, it says, these are the beginnings of sorrows. So before I leave this entirely, and I just want to give a, a, just a, a quick, quick note, that list, for the most part, I was able to receive a lot of those things uh, from a great radio program called um, Understanding the Times. You can listen to it uh, on the radio. But listen, before I leave this, I want to remind you, America's growing weaker. Israel and her, uh, and her enemies, uh, let, me, let me back up just a little bit. I want to say this right. As America grows weaker, Israel's enemies grow stronger. And as we look at Iran, we see some very troubling things in Iran right now. Because they're very close to having a nuclear weapon. And I mentioned this morning, uh, the news let out that Iran has launched a missile into uh, outer space. Uh, they say it to, with uh, just data research development. But I'll be honest, I think it's all a lie. And I believe that this is their testing of, and desire to be able to see if they could get their nuclear warheads where they want them to go. 
Iran with nuclear weapons is an arch enemy of Israel. I don't know if, if we put this together. Iran, Israel hate each other, okay? Israel will not allow Iran to get a nuclear weapon. I guarantee it. They will do everything they can to stop that. So play this scenario out with me. Uh, we over here in America are growing weak. Iran knows that. We, we are not really even backing Israel. We've uh, had some of our uh, pathetic congressmen and women decide they didn't want to uh, even support the Iron Dome that helps protect lives. Pathetic. All right, I'm sorry. I'm trying not to be political. But let me just share, as we grow weaker, Iran's growing stronger. Iran is very close to having a nuclear weapon. It would not take much for Israel to say, enough's enough. We're going to take them out. What happens if Israel strikes Iran? Here comes, here comes Russia. Here comes other nations involved. We're headed toward, toward a World War III. Now, I don't say that to be fear-mongering or anything like that. I'm just trying to see, let you see. There are some real things going on in the world around us. And he says, take heed, pay attention, look up, watch, because these things are coming. So what do we do? We become equipped. Church, well, let me tell you, it's not just time to, to, just to say, okay, we're, there's nothing we can do, but instead we have a, a job and a commission that God has left us with. And I want to very quickly walk through some of these together uh, as, because just as Jesus urged his followers not to be wrapped in that exact day, but rather he said, watch and pray. He says, be diligent, pay attention, occupy until I come. He says, don't give up in this last hour. Church, you are called, you are called to walk during this day. You are called in this day and hour to be light in darkness. We are called to go out into the world and continue to bear the, the, the good news into the world. That's why we're trying to plant a church in our very own backyard. That's why we desire to, to see people walk with the Lord. That's why we want to see discipleship and we want to see people growing in Jesus Christ because without, without a desire to continue, we oftentimes become complacent. And so let me just share a couple of things with you. First off, walk submissively. John took great pains to emphasize in Revelation that we are responsible to keep the sayings of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 22 and verses number 18 and 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from, um, from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Listen, he says... Make sure that you uphold the Word of God. Continue to walk submissively to God's Word. Don't give up on it. Matter of fact, God promises a blessing on those in Revelations 1-3 to those who even read the book of Revelation. It's the only book that God gives this blessing. Revelation 1-3 says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. One of the most important themes of the Bible is that of obedience to the Lord. And so may we come before the Lord, may we come before His Word this year and say, God, I want to be consistent. I want to be faithful in my Bible reading. God, I want to make sure that God's Word is hidden in my heart. So there's some uh, bozo in Washington says, I can't have a Bible, that I've got it hidden, and no man can take it away from me. Man, I, I was reasoning with Brother Leroy the other day, and boy, he encouraged me uh, about my Bible memory. And he doesn't want anybody to, to know this. He told me he has over a thousand verses memorized. He can quote at the, at the drop of a hat. And he didn't want you to know that, but he, I just told to let the cow bang. 
Listen, if we, if we lose our Bible, I'm going to go sit down with him and say, all right, start quoting, let's write them out. Listen, I want to be that guy. I want to be the guy that says, God, I want, I want your word hidden in my heart so that nobody can ever take it away from me and so that nothing can, can ever uh, remove that from my life. Keep the words of the book. But we also see that we're to worship triumphantly. Man, we come to church, sometimes we come to church, and Brother Greg leads us in a song. And I'm thinking, dude, did you miss your coffee this morning? Dude, we're in church. We're singing to God. We're not singing to Greg. Amen. Man, let it rip. Let it, let it out of the bag. Let, to God be the glory. Great things he hath done. Let's let it out, man. Let's make sure that we worship triumphantly. Let's make sure that our lives are able to say, listen, I love the God that we worship. I love to come to church. I love to sing it out to God. And because why? Because he's the one that's never forsaken me. He's the one that keeps his promises. He's the one that we can still rely upon today. And so worship him. You serve a triumphant God, church. We don't serve a dead God. He's not sitting back on the throne saying, oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? He's saying, look, it's working out perfectly. I can't wait for the next thing to happen. Soon my church is going to be with me. Soon we're going to be worshiping together. Listen, let's have a piece of that now. Amen. Listen, let's be excited, church. Let's be able to say, listen, God, I want to just worship you with all my heart. I want to worship you passionately. I want to worship you because you are the triumphant one. Listen, we can't, we must not stop there, but we must continue to witness urgently. Listen, there will be a day when evangelism will cease, but that is not this day. One major purpose of Revelation is not to, not, is to remind sinners of the eternal judgment that is coming, but is also to stimulate believers to share that there is a judgment coming. Listen, church, we have the answer. Methodists. We have the answer. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, I'm excited about this. I'm excited to be able to tell the world that Jesus still saves. I'm excited to be able to tell the world that Jesus is still the king. He's still the one. He still sits on the throne. He's still the one that we can trust. So church, let me tell you, when you go out and man, someone says, well, you can't say that and about, talk about Jesus here. Let me just say, I can talk about Jesus anywhere I want to because I love him. I love my Lord, and I'm going to tell you all about what He's done for me. Let's be reminded that we can work fervently. And we remind ourselves in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according that he had done, whether it be good or bad. Listen, one day I'm going to stand before the Lord, and, he's, and I don't want to be ashamed at His coming. I don't want to stand before the Lord with my head down and say, Lord, I'm sorry that I didn't work. I'm sorry that I didn't witness. I'm sorry that I didn't labor. I'm sorry that I didn't worship. Lord, I'm sorry for, my, for those things. I want to be able to stand before the Lord and say, God, I had fun worshiping you on earth, and I'm, I can't wait to be, know what it's like to worship you here. God, I had fun witnessing on earth, and I can't wait to meet those ones that I led to the Lord here on earth. God, I, I love to work for you on earth, and I can't wait to experience work in heaven. Come on, Lord, bring it on. I'm ready. Man, what's your spirit like? What's your attitude like? Are you watching expectantly? We don't know when the Lord's coming back. But we do know that his arrival is closer now than it was five minutes ago. His, close, his arrival is closer now than it was 2,000 years ago. He could come at any time to take a church to the Father's throne. And so may we be ready at all times. That's why we must always be ready. Listen, I'm not urging you to liquidate your 401ks. I want you to invest wisely. Amen. 
I don't want you to go sell your homes and your belongings. And I'm not advocating you to come live on the property and we'll raise up walls and, and we can sing Kumbaya, my Lord, and we'll prepare for Christ coming by building a convent. Listen, that is not what I'm advocating. What I am advocating is that we look up, we look out, and we continue to work and to witness to folks. Listen, God wants us to live with an expectation that He could come at any moment. Up in the Sierra Nevadas uh, mountain range is the home of Convict Lake. Up there high in those mountain ranges in the winter, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. The water freezes over. It looks like ice coming down along the edges. You can see coming out of the mountains, the glaciers, and you can see the, uh, the two-foot uh, snow all around that lake and the banks there. It's just a beautiful, beautiful place. Never been there. I just want to describe it for you. <laughs> Below that water, though, there are currents of warm water that sometimes come to the top. And so you look out over this beautiful lake, and it looks like a, a great place to go ice skating or a great place to go walk out on the water, but it's really not. On a cold February uh, cloudless day, 15 teenagers and two counselors from Camp O'Neill were on a holiday outing at the lake. And what began as an adventure ended in great disaster that day. Some of the boys were with the counselor, and they were throwing rocks out onto the ice, seeing where they, how far they could throw them. And then four of the, five of the boys were out a little bit further, and they were out on the ice. And they started edging a little closer. And when the counselor's backs were, were, were turned, they, they decided they were going to go out into the middle of the lake. And when the counselor looked up and he saw the boys on the way out, he hollered at them and said, Hey, boys, you come back here. They ignored him. He hollered a little louder. Hey, boys, y'all come back here right now. Listen to what I say. And those boys, they looked at each other and said, I don't care what he says. And they just started walking. They just kept walking out in the middle of the lake, wanted to see how far they could go. And a little bravado in the boys, maybe. I, I know guys are, can be like that sometimes. I'll go farther than you will. Well, these guys, they got back out there a little further, a little farther, a little farther, until finally the boys heard a loud crack. You know what that means. They looked around them and they saw on the, on, the, on the ice below them there were fractures that were starting in the surface of the ice. And one of the boys looked at it and said, I'm not afraid to die. And he stomped the ice. About a second later, they fell in the water. One of the boys before that point had already started heading back. He, he was a little more wise than the other four. Four boys fell in the, in the water, fell below the surface, they started screaming for help. From the, from the shoreline, the two counselors that were there, they heard the boys crying out. And they said, one of, one of the counselors ran out immediately into the, into the ice and jumped in the water and tried to push the boys out of the water. Already, by the time he got to the edge of the water, one of the boys had sunk below the water. The other one went, sent a kid to go get the park ranger. The park ranger went, and they called the fire department, and they called all the rescue workers. By the time it was done at the end of the day, nine people had died. What happened? What could have prevented this? If they'd have heard the warning. If they'd have listened to the warning, it could have all been prevented. Folks, let me tell you, God's given us a warning. He's saying there's coming a time of great wrath and great tribulation. Once a time that he doesn't, that the church, fortunately, we won't live through, but there's millions of people that will. Do we care? Tonight, I urge you to turn to God with me in prayer. This first Sunday of the year, may we come 
May we pray for a nation that's lost its way. May we pray for revival in my heart and yours. May we pray that the lost would be saved before our time is out.